Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. <laughs> Christians with Torah, that's right. Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. I'm here in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Great to be here. Man, it is great to be here, and I'll tell you what, we're studying Kaisera today, and, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to dedicate this podcast to our wives and all of the other Proverbs 31 women out there, like our daughters, and so on and so and forth. And those so, that are listening. That's right. So if you're the listening... The daughters this, of Zion, yes. Daughters of Zion. The life of Sarah. That's right. So... A uh, couple things. If you want to reach out to me, my email address is ryan at twopraise.net. That's ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. Uh, you can reach out to us there. You can also go to our website at twopraise.net, get information, our statement of beliefs, information about our ministry here at Beit Tehila. Uh, we are a community church, and so uh, this is our, our podcast where we're trying to bring the Torah out to everyone and, and show you guys, look, there's nothing to fear. This isn't bondage. This is uh, the gift of grace, uh, instructions from a loving father. And so um, without further ado, we're going to dive in. Uh, again, it's Kaye Sarah, which is the life of Sarah. And this Torah portion can be found in the book of Genesis, chapter 23 and verse 1, and ending in chapter 25 and verse 18. Very, very good. So yes, the life of Sarah. Uh, Ryan's going to go ahead and read, and uh, like I said, we want to dedicate this to all the Proverbs 31 women. But, you know, Sarah is our mother, and so uh, she's the great matriarch, you know. She's a very, very important uh, person among even the Jewish people, but also as Christians, she's very, very important. And so Ryan is going to read, uh, uh, in memory of her, uh, Genesis chapter 23, verses 1 through 16, and of course, Sarah dies. That's right, and may her memory be a blessing. Amen. All right, so chapter 23 and verse 1 says, And Sarah was 107 and 20 years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, the same is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the children of Heth answered Abraham, saying unto him, Hear us, my lord, thou art a mighty prince among us. In the choice of our sepulchres, bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee his sepulchre, but that thou mayest bury thy dead. And Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat me for, uh, for me to Ephron the son of Zohar that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of his field, for as much money as it is worth, he shall give it me for a possession of a burying place amongst you. And Ephron dwelt among the children of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the audience of the children of Heth, 
even of all that went in at the gate of the city, saying, Nay, my lord, hear me. The field give I thee. In the cave that is therein, I would give it thee. In the presence of the sons of my people, give, it, give I it thee. Bury thy dead. And Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land, and he spake unto Ephron in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. I will give thee money for the field. Take it of me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying unto him, My lord, hearken unto me. The land is worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that betwixt me and thee? Bury therefore thy dead. And Abraham hearkened unto Ephron, and Abraham weighed to Ephron the silver, which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, current money, with the merchant. So, right out of the gate here, you know, some Jewish sages would say that Sarah died of anguish because she was told that Abraham was going to offer up their son Isaac to the Lord as a burnt offering. Uh, It's kind of interesting that, of course, um, Abraham and Isaac come back, and of course, next thing we know, we have the death of Sarah, so it's a, of course it's a speculation. Just something to consider, to think about. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, she was 127 years old when she died. And of course, she died in Kirjath Arba, which is Hebron in Canaan. Yeah. So Hebron is, of course, a, a city as well uh, in Israel today. Low population of Jewish people, mostly Arabs. But once again, this is, of course, the burial place for Sarah. And once again, Sarah is the only woman in the Bible who has her age given at death. Uh, she has her age given at death. And so we want to kind of. And it is honor interesting, that. it's called the life of Sarah. But it really is about her death. Right. So Abraham spoke to the sons of Heth in regards to the burial site for Sarah. You know, he was like, hey, I want to bury my dead. I want to bury my wife. So, uh, but Abraham wanted to bury Sarah in the cave of Machpelah that was owned by Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Heatite. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, he had picked the place out. He saw it. It's also a, a particular location that has land, trees, cave, uh, field. Uh, and of course, when Ephron offered the cave of Machpelah at no cost, Abraham offered to pay for it. You know, yeah, uh, he didn't want anything that he didn't want anything just given to him. He wanted uh, he had value. He wanted to he wanted to buy it. And so Ephron's like, hey, what is it? What is it to me? Listen, this thing is valued at four hundred shekels of silver, right? So he's like, well, okay, you want to buy it? Well, the value is, you know, it's four hundred shekels of I, silver. I've heard different numbers, but back then I'm guessing four hundred shekels of silver was millions of dollars. We're talking. I like, don't know about that, but I'm telling you, four hundred shekels of silver sounds like a, the monetary value of something much, you know. So I, I think maybe what, what even the Jewish sages are saying, which is interesting, that Ephron was kind of like exaggerating the value. Oh, of, for well, sure. Well, you know, it's 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 probably worth, you know. And so it's funny. Abraham's like, boom. Yeah. Sarah was worth more than what he was even willing to sell it for, wow. even though he was getting a big a big deal here. So once again, you know, uh, Abraham not only got the cave of Machpelah, uh, but the field as well, along with the trees. You got to remember all that. Uh, and of course, the children of Heth were the witnesses to the transaction made between Ephron uh, and Abraham. The children of Heth were the witnesses to the transaction made between Ephron and Abraham. And so what do you call the children of Heth? Heatites. Heatites. Yeah. Remember, Uriah was a Heatite. That's right. Children of Heth. He was one of the uh, mighty men of God who David, uh, you know, had murdered. 
uh, after the issue of Bathsheba. So, uh, as a matter of fact, King David was the only king that actually united all of the tribes. Very interesting. And this is what Yeshua is going to do in the last days. He is going to unite all of the tribes. So basically, Abraham's purchase of the cave of Machpelah in Hebron is actually, actually a legal deed, you know. And, uh, and so that's, that's interesting. Uh, and so with that, uh, a, a few thoughts here in regards to Sarah as we're in this chapter. Uh, her name previously was Sarai, which means to dominate or contentious. Now, her name was changed to Sarah, which means princess. Ooh. So, you know, it's interesting that uh, even with... Uh, Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is interesting, and we can get into this later, but, you know, it's like when, when, when men or women of God take steps of faith, God meets them, but he doesn't change their name till later. See, Abram cut the pieces. He did the sacrifice. God walked through the pieces, and he believed it. He believed uh, God. It was counted to him for righteousness. Right. And that, that would be that from his own bowels would come seed, his own seed. So, so the interesting thing is, and then, of course, then God changes his name. So you think about Jacob, Jacob was wrestling with God. He comes back to the land and he says, no longer will you be Yaakov or Jacob, Yeah. but you will be Israel, which means prevailing prince, co-ruler with God. So, you know, it, it talks about striving with men and with God. Amen. When we can wrestle with God, it's okay. So I thought that was interesting in, in regards to her name change. Uh, and so, uh, we can find that in in the Bible as well, and of course, you know, uh, also a little a little uh, trivia here. You know, who was the first cook in the Bible? But Sarah, mm. Genesis eighteen six, and Abraham hastened to the tent unto Sarah and said, "Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth." Now, maybe she had servants that did it. I don't know, yeah. but he's telling her to do it. So I'm getting off on a technicality here. And of course, uh, you know, and so once again, uh, and then of course you'll see the first male cook in the Bible is going to be Jacob as he's making this, uh, this stew that Esau wanted because he was like, said he was starving to death. Um, so anyway, we have a lot of interesting things in regards to Sarah to commemorate her. And so if we actually go into, let scripture interpret scripture as well. Uh, we have Sarah in the hall of faith. Uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For those of you that are listening, that is so important. Now faith is the substance, and it means in the Greek, confidence yeah. of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we say Christians with Torah, but really how many Christians have Torah? So we believe that it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to promote, and of course we can see that, and with that comes our confidence. Yeah. You know, we actually ha have a... A, a Torah scroll uh, that survived the Holocaust from Poland. And so as we look at Sarah in the Hall of Faith, it says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 and 12, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Wow, that's what would come from her. A womb that was barren, that was left for dead, childless, God, like the Immaculate Conception with Mary and Yeshua, 
allows her womb to be open. Now, if we break this down, these are the notes. This is very interesting. These five points. She receives strength to conceive seed. And that's what we're finding in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. So she receives strength to conceive seed. Number two, she was delivered of a child when past age. <laughs> that's number two. Number three, she reckoned or counted God to be true to his word. Amen. Amen. Even though she laughed, remember, she laughed inside. She did. Uh, but, but she believed. And number four, she was equal to being dead as far as having children was concerned. And last but not least, number five, innumerable seed came from her by God's power through faith. Now, what I love about this is, is actually that, you know, as we move on, Sarah obeyed Abraham and Abraham honored Sarah. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, we're in the New Testament. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughter ye are, as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Wow. Now, you know, I've, I've had this taken out of context so many times. It actually says, if you mistreat your wife, your prayers will be hindered. Now, if we keep it in context, a husband and wife have to respect each other. That's right. Now, what's, what's being said here is that Sarah obeyed Abraham. Huh. There was respect. And this is the thing we got to watch out for, because a lot of times we go after the other spouse, when in fact, it's, 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 it's both of us together. So when I, when I was told that and someone had taught that, I thought that's very good because the, the guys were getting a bad rap. Don't mistreat your wife. Your prayers will be hindered. God's not going to listen to your prayers, but that's taken out of context. It's true, but we need to keep it in context. So it says right here, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham. So her prayers could be hindered too. Wow. Yeah. You know, my wife and I were talking about this, like, like when we kind of stumble or we kind of falter with God or we stutter step, we kind of miss God and things happen, whether it's, your wife or your husband or, or together. And you're like, man, we got to fix this. My wife and I have already experienced this in our marriage, you know? And so whether, whether it's her or me, you can have a little stutter step there. And, and then all of a sudden you're like, man, you know, I kind of, I, I was out of line and I got to get back in line. It's yeah. called divine order. Everyone. Right. Well, and Sarah As the Abraham, man looks to Christ, the, yeah. the woman looks to the man and then the children look to the parents. Right. And then if you have a breakdown, it's like trying to ride a bike with a flat tire. That's what I always say. You know, if, if one spouse is, is going rogue or whatever, or not knowing their role or not working together, it, it's like riding a bike with a flat tire. You can do it, but it's hard. Uh, and last but not least, uh, in Isaiah 51, verse 2. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. Wow. And I know, I think it goes on to say in there, even in the scriptures, it talks about... Uh, Abraham being our father and Sarah being our mother. This is a big deal among the Jewish people as far as the patriarch Abraham and the matriarch Sarah. It's, it's the real deal. I mean, they are really rock stars. They are celebrities, you know. So so that's just uh, something to think about. Ryan, what, what are your thoughts on, on the Sarah as we just get ready to leave this chapter? Yeah, no, I, I think um, you know, Sarah is... Uh... I mean, Abraham and Sarah both are good examples of real people doing awesome things with God, and I think that we can all look to them as an example. Um, I talked about it, uh, the tour portion last week, I, um, uh, this past weekend. You know, we we look at Abraham and we look at all the things that he did, and we inherit 
what the blessings to Abraham because he went through and did the test, right? And then we just have to have the faith, and then guess what? We get the blessings that Abraham got. Um, and the same goes, you know, when we look at Sarah, Sarah being uh, the mother of Isaac, the promised seed. Uh, she's a pretty great lady. And I think that, that you know, sometimes the Bible doesn't give us, you know, too many context clues, but j- the fact that she was chosen along with Abraham uh, to carry out this mission of, of the seed of Messiah, right, that it's the, the line of Messiah, is uh, a pretty awesome, you know, privilege for her. And I think that uh, we can take a lot from that, that she should be revered. And, and also, here's something to think about. I threw this in here in our small group um, tour study in, in the outline. Here's a great question, Ryan. So so Abraham wants to buy the cave of Machpelah and the field and the trees and a barrow place for Sarah, you know. And, of course, he can use it for the whole family, which is very interesting uh, how he knew this and to do this. And like I said, I've had the opportunity to go there, and it's an incredible place. It really is. It's very powerful. Um, but But here's the question, Ryan. Who is the owner to the land of Israel? Uh, I would say Yahweh. The Lord, actually, uh, Yahweh. So, so the land belongs to him. And so we know right now, even in the land of Israel, there's a lot of controversy over the land, Judea and Samaria and the settlements and different things. But let, let me read just a few verses in regards to this, because I just made a, a, you know, a statement you know, answering the question. We say the Lord, well, where is that? Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23. The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. Wow. So the land belongs to the Lord. Deuteronomy 32, 43. And we're closing out this particular chapter. It, <coughs> it says, Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. Yeah. His land and to his people. Now that's in the Torah. You know what goes along with the Torah are the prophets. So let's check out Joel. And there are some prophets that we can check out here. Uh, Let's see here. Right after Hosea. We're going to have Joel chapter 2, verse 18. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Remember, the prophet Joel is the one who said that in the last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will have visions. Old men will dream dreams. Peter actually quotes this in the book of Acts. So so very interesting. So it says right here, uh, then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Once again, it actually states in Amos in the very end of that chapter, uh, of the, uh, the last chapter in Amos, that never again will the people of Israel or the Jewish people be uprooted from their land. That was Joel 2.18. How about Joel 3.2 in a prophecy right now? Because we know that there's a lot of controversy, even in regards to the city of Jerusalem or Jerusalem. But check this out. Joel chapter 3, verse 2. I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. No bueno. Wow. That's Joel 3. Two. So here we are in Genesis chapter 20. What an incredible chapter. What an incredible woman of God, Sarah. You know, I can't wait to meet her, you know, and just talk with her about 
you know, her her testimony and everything. It's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to to see all this. You know, and when you, when it comes to the marriage supper of the Lamb, think about who's gonna be at that table. Yeah. So let's let's move into. Uh, well, before we move in, one one other thing. You know, this cave of Machpelah, which is interesting, it stands there to this day, right? Um, I think I have a picture of Micah standing in front of. Yeah, we're gonna be giving that out hopefully Saturday. Yeah. So uh, I have a picture of Micah standing in front of the the whatever it is, the building that's yeah. there now in Hebron. Um, but, you know, one of the, the important things in, in splitting the land, the fact that it's there is a testament to the validity of the Word of God, right? So Genesis, I mean, we're looking at the earliest book in the Bible, right? This is the first book. And this story in chapter 23 of Abraham purchasing this land uh, for his family uh, and and keep in mind, it's Isaac and Rebecca that are buried there. Um, and it, interestingly enough, Isaac and, and Rebe- Jacob. Well, no, but what meaning? I'm, I'm mentioning Isaac, Rebecca specifically, in contrast with Ishmael and and whoever Ishmael oh, I married, gotcha. right? Yeah, right, gotcha. And so it's interesting how Isaac and Rebecca are buried there, and not Ishmael. Um, it, it's just an interesting thought because. That side, oddly enough, just like everything else in these conundrums within what the quote-unquote West Bank, the Judean area of Judea and Samaria, how the Arabs actually control the side of the tomb where Isaac and Rebekah are, are buried. So keep that in mind. The promised seed, right, the burial place for Isaac and his wife uh, is on the side that controlled by, by the Arabs. Yeah, that's a controversial thing going on absolutely it is yeah i, I didn't get to see isaac and rebecca that part of it they said it's like another country another world it's hard to get over there it's hard to make that happen well be, yeah because there's a lot of red tape it's like know. the it's like a pie you know where a piece of the pie is put off to the side and you can't get it you can't get to but it you can see some of the pie like yeah abraham and sarah jacob and leah right so you have those two yeah. on this side you know but then yeah. on the other very side int- very powerful place you know and then it, i think it's like 60 feet below when you go in there that's the actual burial place but it's an incredible place right i actually i almost couldn't i couldn't stand up my knees were getting very weak when really? I actually entered into this place, it was so, so powerful. Even Joy and Cesare and I were talking. We looked at each other like we were feeling it, like yeah. we could feel the, the presence of God. Like it was a special place. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny though, because um, you know, the the word of God is is what it is, right? I mean, just from reading it and with the Holy Spirit, you can tell this is the word of God. So you don't necessarily need things like the existence of, of, of Machpelah in Hebron to, to validate it. But it's icing on the cake, and I like icing just as much as the next guy. And so it's it's cool when you have these things that validate the Bible and the story here. Hey, this is the place that Abraham bought. And oh, by the way, there's Abraham 60 feet down there. Yeah. Buried. Know. You know, I just think that's cool. That, that, and I'm going to say something too as well. You know, if you go to our, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, if you go to Beit Tehillah's YouTube channel, you can actually see the video that I took while we were in Hebron in the cave of Machpelah. It's, it's very, very, very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you know, it's interesting too, though. You know, whenever there's a death in, in the Bible, there's a, there, there's a death. There's always something giving life. There's a birth. Mm. And so what's happening now is as we move from Sarah, we're going to be mo- moving into Isaac marries Rebecca, mm. which is Genesis chapter 24. So we're going to just jump right into that Let's do it. for the sake of time. But this is an incredible chapter. And so, you know, Abraham wanted his eldest servant, Eliezer, from Damascus um, to find him a wife from his country and relatives for his son, Isaac, you know, and that's what this is all about now, you know, and of course you got to understand how old he is. This is kind of interesting. You know, I didn't get married till I was what? 32 or something like that. Yeah. In my third young thirties got married while you were, I'm 33. And so you were so, 32. Yeah. So, so when I read this story, you know, um, 
Isaac's he, he's a young man. So by the time you got married, I have I've been in equivalence. I've been married for twelve years. So I was married for twelve years by the time. Twelve years is very good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'm yes. sorry. We, you know, just to be married is good. <laughs> Amen to yeah. that. So so anyway, you know, so so anyway, um, they're they're going to make this agreement, and Elias is a great servant. You're going to find out about this. I think he's he's an incredible, incredible servant. Uh, and so basically, you know. Um, it's kind of funny, you know, if you look at this story, the types and shadows, you know, Eliezer would be like the Holy Spirit in the mm. story. Abraham's the father, mm-hmm. and then Isaac's the son, and, and Rebecca's going to be us. God. You like that? I, I mean, do, it's, it's... I do like that. Now, it That's does, the Godhead. It doesn't say Eliezer. I want to just notate that. It says Eliezer in our notes, but it actually I know. says... And last week, Abraham's we had a situation, right, that Lot could have had more daughters. Wow. This is things to consider, but, you know, I, I assure you this, though... They didn't get out of the city. We should give. Well, they didn't. That is correct. <laughs> and even did the sons-in-laws. But we should give. Uh, we should give credit to uh, Tom Postbacall. He he emailed me. Oh yeah, you're not going to pull nothing over on him. No man, you better you're watch not. what you say. He's... And it, it, we're like we got to be like the Bereans, you know. That's right. So so anyway, um, so there's no pressure on Eliezer really because you know he would be able to get out of this oath that he made that he would find a wife. For, for Abraham's son Isaac, uh, if the woman would not be willing to follow him. So he, you know, the, and this is interesting, you know, you think about Sharia law among the Muslims and Arabs and stuff and what they do and, you mm. know, uh, the young brides and forced yeah. marriage and all these mm-hmm. things, you know, we, we, we even find this in, in today's culture somewhere, uh, anywhere around the world. But this is interesting how the story is going to play out. So, so Eliezer put his hand under the thigh of Abraham and swore to him concerning the matter. This is a cultural thing. Where did he actually place his hand? You know, I mean, the thing is, it says under the thigh of Abraham. So, you know, when you think about, you know, the groin area, you know, as you're, as you're reading this scripture, you know, you're like, what, what is this all about? But there, there are parts of the culture that we don't understand, but this was definitely something that they were practicing and doing and understood. Uh, and he swore to him. He made an oath. And so what's going to happen now is Eliezer, Abraham's servant, he's going to take 10 camels and make his way to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. Amen. He's going to make his way to Mesopotamia uh, to, of course, uh, the city of Nahor. And, and he's, on, he's on the journey here. And, of course, you know, uh, the cool thing is, you know, uh, he, he ends up outside the city in the evening. Uh, so it's evening time. Things are starting to cool down. And, you know, people are going to be hanging out at the old water cooler. So he actually ends up by a well of water. Wow. Now, he ends up by a well of water. It's evening. He's made it to the city. And now, of course, you know, he's praying. He's seeking the Lord. He needs a sign and all these different things. But just a little reminder here, you know, uh, that he was he was looking for a sign. And he was like, hey, you know what? I'll tell you what, Lord. If this woman comes and, and lets me get water, I'm able to get water from her. She, that she, she would actually give me water when I ask. Okay. Then you know what? Along with my camels... That's the one. Yeah. So he kind of threw out a fleece. What an incredible story. Yeah. So yeah. So he's like, hey, I'll tell you what, Lord, let this woman give me a drink of water when I ask, and then she's going to offer to to go ahead and give water to my ten camels. I love so, so the what ten camels next? is on the journey. Well, here's the thing, though. I want to remind everyone. It's interesting. You know, they say how many? How many? You know, they say there was ten lost tribes. I've heard that. But they're not lost. God knows where they're at. Maybe they're with. But the he camels. takes ten camels. So here's like a picture of the Holy Spirit. With ten camels going to look for a bride, hmm. and he found Ryan. I mean, he found found Pastor Nick. He nanny. Yeah, here, here he, I am. Here Lord. I am. Here I am. So anyway, um, 
So that she would give him a drink along with his tin camels was like what he threw out there, you know. I mean, because he, he didn't know what else to do. He knew that he needed to find relatives. He needed to find the city. He had that much information like GPS, you know. And, of course, who came with a pitcher upon their shoulder and gave Eliezer a drink of water when he asked for it? What's the answer to that, Ryan? I believe it was uh, Rebecca, born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother. Well, that's a long list. Yeah, my there. son was asking me about that last night. He was like, Father, why? They were related. What's up with this this long name or whatever? And the answer was uh, that I gave him... Father, I like how you do that. They didn't have... <laughs> It, it just it changes the whole transition. Of that, that's a Will Bowman Father. shout out. Yeah, that's a Will Bowman shout out. Father, so uh, where was I? I don't. Oh, he asks me right, and I said, "Well, Christian, what's your last name? What's your full name?" He says, "Well, you know, Christian Ezekiel Cabrera." And I'm like, "Okay, so when you say Cabrera and people know your family or know who you are, they know that you're my son, right? By right. the name Cabrera, that's right, or that you're a relative of the Cabrera." That's a good point. More he, detail. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is the same. They didn't have a last name. Rebecca didn't have a last name, as far as I know, right? So this right. is how they told who she was. She's That's not. Awesome. No, she's not the Rebecca son of what? Whoever. She's the Rebecca right. son of Bethuel. Right. That's good. Daughter. That's good. Daughter of Bethuel. That, that's just like when you say, you know. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right. Yeshua of Nazareth. Well, Jesus yeah. Christ is yeah. enough, but yes. So, so the thing is, you know... It's only uh, one Christ. So Rebecca was very fair to look upon in a virgin. You know, who else was fair to look upon but Sarah? Mm. You know, even at her old age, she was... She was uh, that would be like Raquel Welch. And know, she was she a half-sister, well, right? You know? Some of these women age very well. Like uh, Marie Osmond. I mean, <laughs> you've seen her. She's a fair lady. You, I mean, you look and you see how old... Dolly Parton. Look how well she looks. I'm just saying, you know, you know, for her I, age, you know I, what I mean? I think my wife is beautiful. It doesn't look like bad Botox. So what, uh, I don't know, you know, this is just me thinking out loud. I haven't confirmed this, but so Nahor is Abraham's brother, right? Right. Okay. So in some way lineage, Sarah is his half sister. Very know, good. Yeah. Right? This is like the days of our lives. <laughs> Dynasty. I'm your cousin. Um <laughs> So, so this is the same family. So Abraham, because one of the questions is, why does he need to go back and find a family member? But apparently all the best-looking ladies were of this family. You know, I don't know all the details, but I can just give you a little bit of a paraphrase here, or just food for thought. But I think it was one of the presidents was actually married their cousin. A couple of them did married their cousins. I don't know exactly who. Those of you that are listening probably know, but you can go back and look and see if, if it was a Roosevelt or a Wilson or whatever. But anyway, uh, we don't have time for that. But we got to move on. So uh, the cool thing is, though, when you stop and think about this whole, and I just want to bring this out real quick before we move on. Um, of course, uh, after Rebecca gave Eliezer a drink of water, she watered all the camels. And because of Rebecca's kindness, Eliezer gave her a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of 10 shekels weight of gold. Now, when Eliezer asked Rebecca whose daughter she was, she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. When Eliezer asked her if there was room for him to lodge, right? Well, she said, hey, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. So what an incredible story, you know. And, and just a little reminder here for those of you that are listening. Uh, this well of water is, is very, very interesting to find a, a bride or the opposite sex, you know, as, as we look at this story, you can find it in Genesis 29, verse 10, Jacob meets Rachel or Rachel. Mm. So at a well. Uh, so the Moses well is, meets Zipporah. So the well is like the place to go. Oh my gosh. Meet me at the well, baby. Look, <laughs> Moses meets Zipporah, Exodus 21, 
or Exodus 2, 5, I'm sorry, 2, 15. Yeah, the address for uh, Moses meeting Zipporah, it's not eHarmony, but it's Exodus 2, 15. Some of you got that. Uh, how about Yeshua meets a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. She's been married five times and has a, a current boyfriend. And she's still at the well. Yeah, and she's still at the well. Yikes. I mean, you know, and it was the sixth hour, so I, I, I don't know whether it's a Roman time or whatever. Roman time, the sixth hour. I guess that's the afternoon, right? I it was know. hot. So anyway, just just something to think about. You know, uh, the, the well is an important place uh, to meet at. And, um, and so as a result of meeting Rebecca, listen, Eliezer bowed his head. He worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord for finding his master's relatives. Wow. So he was very grateful that he took this oath. He was on his way. He put out the sign. It's going forward. He is so jacked up and excited. It's like a tailgate party for Super Bowl. And, and of course, what happens, Laban, uh, Laban is Rebecca's brother. He runs out to Eliezer while he was at the well. And of course, uh, Eliezer shared with Rebecca's family his backstory and purpose for coming because once again, he was able to go to the family's house and have lodging and all of that. So he has 10 camels in himself and I'm sure some service or whatever, uh, his, his little party. Uh, well, so he's telling the backstory of how he got there and what's right. going on. And that's why you'll see that in Genesis chapter 24, verses 33 through 49. We don't need to repeat it all. Um, so, so Laban and Bethuel responded by saying, hey, look, behold, Rebecca is before thee. Take her and go. And let her be thy master's son's wife as the Lord had spoken. Now, they couldn't say good or bad of the situation. Yeah. And so, so Ryan, what do you think about the story up to this point? Because it's all clicking. It's all coming together. It, it is. Well, you everything's know. going on all cylinders. What I think is interesting is I see a little bit of foreshadowing of the character of Laban here. Um, because Laban... you know, and Laban's name needs to be made white. white. Well, So he's a little shady. Yes, but... Besides that, to be made white. Besides how does that, that make him? Sh- I don't know. To be made white. Well, because he's not white. He's shady. He's not white. Got it. So, we're going to discover that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to discover a lot more about Laban. Woo. But but what's interesting here is in this foreshadowing is is what it says is that it says that he sees the gold, right? The bracelets and and the earring that Eliezer gave to Rebecca. And all of a sudden he runs out and now he's like, "Oh, well, sir, let me let me take your camels for you. Here we've got a place for you to stay." He starts, you know, up in the service level. Yeah, it's a little like higher. Uh, you know, it's like the wealthy have showed up. And it pays off for him. He does actually end up getting some gifts for himself, right? Uh, Laban um receives some gifts from Eliezer as does the rest of the family. Uh, because that's that's what you know Eliezer was sent to do to go and provide gifts and say hey I'm going to give you guys these things and and oh by the way I'm taking your sister slash daughter, um, but I found that interesting because you can see you know for the first time Laban and what is he doing he's being a little little a little greedy we're seeing some some things after you know the after the glittery stuff that's right and yeah. we can only say that now because we know what's coming later that's right that's, that's right. right so check this out uh genesis chapter 24 verse 52 and it came to pass that when abraham's servant heard their words he worshiped the lord bowing himself to the earth wow and the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to rebecca he gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things now here here we go 
uh, this is this is what he did. This is what he did. And this is the story that's unfolding. It's all clicking. It's all happening. So in the morning after they ate and drank, Eliezer wanted to go back to his master. He's like, man, I made an oath. I got to get back. And I love this guy. Uh, you know, uh, if you read the story of Lot, the angels had to drag him out by the hand, but it actually says that he hesitated to leave the city. So the angels had to force Lot and his family out of the city. Forced them out because he was hesitating. He was he was procrastinating. Have you ever procrastinated? See, the good thing about Abraham, you're going to see, he always had quick obedience, yeah. quick on his feet. Even after being circumcised, he jumped up to the three men that were approaching him and gave them great hospitality, you know. And so that's something to think about. God doesn't like the procrastinators. Mm-mm. What is that saying? Something about don't put off... Till tomorrow, tomorrow what, what you, you can, can do, do today. today. Yeah, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Uh, Rebecca's mother and brother wanted her to stay a few days at the least 10, and then she could go. So they're like, yeah, she could go, but we'd like for her to stay a few more days, maybe 10. There's that number 10 again, the 10 lost tribes, a minion, 10, 10 days of all. 10 is very interesting. This is not just some random number, folks. 10 is very important. Uh, if you could find 10 righteous men in the city, they would be spared, right? And that's where you get a minion today that in, to, play, to pray in public. The Jews had to have 10 people. Uh, I got to be a part of a minion on an airplane over the Atlantic. Well, that's was, right. Yeah, that yeah. was a really cool story. So anyway, um, as this story progresses, man, Elias is like, listen. And they said, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebecca and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? And what did she say, Ryan? She said, I will go. Man, everything's working. Boom, boom, boom. Now listen, if if she would have come out, Ryan, and says, I am not going. He is not bound by the oath that he made to Abraham. That's right. He would have been set free. But man, he's like, this is really working out. This is this is happening. Eliezer had favor. And so they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they, they of course, they're, they're beginning their journey south, though. And I love this. Uh, if Ryan, if you don't mind reading Genesis 24, verse 60. I will. And, uh, and they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. A gate is a position of authority. It's a position of influence. Remember that. Remember that. And so, and they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. You know, uh, and the gates are important. In Psalm 127, verse 5, I love this. It says this, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. A quiver supposedly is 12 arrows. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Wow. So see, what we want to have, Ryan, is influence. You know, we want to have influence. You know, that's why the Torah is so incredible, Ryan, that Christians with Torah is an incredible, uh, you know, it's an incredible phenomenon uh, for those of you that are listening that, that are Christians. Uh, the Torah's teachings and instructions and, and, and via the Holy Spirit, you can apply the Torah to your life and you make life better and those around you, you make life better. I mean, I, I would say that honestly. So the gate is very important uh, as we see that. And remember now, Lot was at the gate of Sodom. So his influence was there, but it wasn't really great. 
because it even says in the New Testament that Lot was considered a righteous man, just so all of you know. Let's not dog out the nephew here. Yeah. But, uh, but, but he was tormented because he put himself in difficult situations. We won't get into that. But, but here's what's happening now. So Isaac was in the field at the evening time to meditate when he saw the caravan of camels coming with Rebekah. I mean, how long did he have to wait? It doesn't tell you. But boy, he was waiting a long time, man. The servant's going to get him a wife. And he doesn't know if he's going to come back with a wife or not. No, he does he, not. He probably knows, hey, if she doesn't come back, the, the servant's not bound by the oath. But I'm, No, I'm but sure things will never good... be the same. You know? No, no. So when Rebecca was told that the man approaching her was Isaac, she took a veil and covered herself. She took a veil and covered herself. And, uh, and of course, in uh, Genesis 24, 67, Ryan, would you like to read that? That's a very good conclusion to chapter 24. What a chick flick. Yeah, long chapter too it is. Uh, it says here, And Isaac brought her into his mother's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Man. I know. Any, any thoughts on that? Well, um, I think it's interesting that uh, Sarah passes away, and then now there's a place for Rebecca. And it's somebody it, leaves the table, right? Somebody comes to the table. Well, and it's in you know we talked about the next generation uh, stepping up, and so this we see kind of Rebecca taking that that role here, and then I think later on we're going to see that Isaac ends up taking the role of Abraham, um, you know, amongst the people. And which is which is pretty cool. I mean, I'm 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 impressed uh, by this tour portion and just you know how how it just puts things kind of in that divine order, right? Things things get put in the way that they're supposed to be, and things go the way that they're supposed to go. So it's one of those like happy stories um, until we you know except for three people die in the tour portion that that we kind of liked, but you know um, that's all good. And then uh, you know he he loves her, right? Which is also good because. It, you know, Isaac didn't know who this girl was going to be. This this was one of those things where this was a, a blind date, so to speak. And so Eliezer comes back with uh, Rebecca, and it says here that Isaac loved her, which is good. And it also says that Isaac was comforted uh, by her after his mom's death. So, um, you know, all around, it just looks like the, you know, things, you know, kind of are going in their cycle where, you know, one thing goes away, you know, or one, one era ends and another era begins. And, and we can just kind of see that cycle going in a smooth transition in, in this particular instance. I kind of like it. It's, this is good stuff. And in Jeremiah 31, 22, it says this, how long wilt thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter? For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall encompass a man. So, you know, it's the man's job to go after the woman. Mm -hmm. But what, what the prophecy is actually saying is that, How long wilt thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter? For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall encompass a man. The bride will be looking for the bridegroom. And that's what we're seeing. And actually, there's even a prophecy, uh, I believe, that talks about, you know, uh, I think through Balaam in, in the wilderness, speaking over Israel and different things. Uh, that the gathering of the people, you know, he will be. The people will be gathered to Yeshua. You well, know, it says people, that in... People will be drawn to him. That's Genesis 48 and 49, the blessings over the tribes, um, where it says, uh, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh right. comes. Right. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Right, but a, a woman encompassing a man, you know, that's one of the things where the woman will encircle the man for, for three things. Uh, conjugal rights, food, and shelter. Uh, and so that's an incredible, incredible story here. 
and so once again, as we go into uh, chapter 25, uh, Abraham's going to marry Keturah. After Sarah's death, he's going to marry Keturah. Yep. You know, and so we know that Abraham is going strong here. You know, uh, I mean, think about this guy. You know, I mean, he could be the spokesman for Viagra. <laughs> I mean, this guy, I mean, when you talk about, and think about this, Ryan, though, how badly does God want his children? We, he does. After Adam, he, he, he said, go and multiply. He even told Noah and his descendants, hey, go replenish the earth, multiply. You know, he wants righteous seed. He wants righteous people. You know, we need more Christians in the earth. We need more holy people. Yeah. So, you know, just basic Christianity. We just need that. Yeah. You know, and I'm just saying to all of you listening, be encouraged that you have morals and values yeah. and that you are you are a son or daughter of God. You're not the son or daughter of God, but but you're a son and a daughter of God, and it's not to be taken lightly. Yeah. And uh, we I mean, if it says Satan has children, there's enmity between the seeds in Genesis 3:15, Ryan, we need to be the righteous seed. Oh yeah. And we have to tell our children they're the righteous seed. That's right. Well, and what's interesting also here, you know, Abraham was at least uh, 137 years old when he married Keturah, right? Because uh, if, if Sarah was... Sounds like Mike Cromwell. He can do all the dates. Well, if, if Sarah was 127, which is what the beginning of the Torah portion says... See? Good, good deduction he's there. He's 10 years older. That's right. So he's at least 137 when she dies. So then he marries Keturah after that. Wow. And not and it would have been a miracle if he had one kid, right? Six sons. Wait, has. wait a minute now. Yeah. What? Read, read some of the bullet points there. I don't know. What do you got here? Okay. Go ahead. So Abraham... Matter of fact, why don't you go ahead and finish out those bullet points for us? How well, many of you love Ryan? I, I mean... Listening right now. I'm partial. You're like, man, I love Ryan. Ryan's a good guy, man. <laughs> Ryan makes me laugh. Stop. Ryan gives it to me. He's honest. Stop so it. he's he's going to finish these bullet points out. All right. Well, the first thing I want to do is I want to just let, mention the fact that uh, he did have six more sons. Zimron, Jokshan, Midan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. So this is... Uh, the six sons that he had from, you know, it says from his concubines, um, you know, but this is Keturah, his wife, right? So he marries Keturah. So um, it also says here in, in verse 25-5 that uh, he ends up giving everything that he had to Isaac. So he gives gifts to his sons before he passes, but uh, he actually gives the inheritance itself to Isaac, to the promised seed. And so Abraham was 175 years old when he died. Um, Isaac and Ishmael bury him. So they actually, a little family reunion, they get together and they bury him. It's always at weddings and funerals. Yeah, exactly. Which is true today. I mean, this is, we know this is true today. Like people you don't but, see for a long time, weddings and funerals. But you know, you, I don't, you didn't bring this out. Did you bring this out about Abraham gave gifts to the sons of his concubines? If you were listening, I did, yeah. But I'm just, I mean, Keturah was the question, was, was, was she a concubine? Or was she elevated to a wife? But he says concubines. Well, it says, then again, Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. Now, I, I don't know what that name, that word wife is in... But, I mean, he he, he had multiple, you know... Kids. Oh, from, from multiple on top of her? I don't know. I, I can't Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I'm just saying that here we have Keturah and yeah. concubines. And from Keturah came six sons. Right. It wasn't from the concubines. Yeah, I don't but know. But the concubines is plural. Oh, but unto the sons of the concubines... Which Abraham had. Abraham gave. Gifts. So there was Keturah and concubines. Interesting. That's wow. A, that and then of course you get the Midianites from 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 Keturah, the Midianites who, who gave him heck, gave Israel heck. You know. So, so then wow, he had six this sons. Is, this is like a mixed family and concubines. So six sons and See, concubines. I never even picked up on that stuff. You know, twenty years, twenty one years in Torah, and there it is. Yeah. Wow. That's unbelievable. Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons That's had self-explanatory. Abraham. Now we realize, right? I mean, he had it going still on. Still going. Still going. 
So, so Abraham was 175 years old when he died. Uh, Isaac and Ishmael got together and buried him, and they buried him in the cave of Machpelah where Sarah was buried. So ultimately, um, in his life, Sarah's the love of his life. Isaac and uh, Ishmael get together, bury him with Sarah. And so uh, God blessed Isaac after the death of his father. And it says that in verse 25, 11, it says, And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt by the well of Laharoi. Um, so I, I found that interesting. You're right. The next generation is stepping up. I had mentioned how Rebecca took the place of Sarah um, prophetically. And then here now, Isaac is stepping up to carry on um, the mission of Abraham. It says, Ishmael had 12 sons, and they were considered princes. And Ishmael was 137 years old when he died. So, um, you know, we close the chapter on Ishmael, on uh, on Abraham, and on Sarah all in the world. And of course, in this particular portion, we have Sarah dying at 127 years of age. We have Abraham dying at 175 years of age. And last but not least, Ishmael dying at 137 years of age. So once again, three deaths within this portion, but yet here comes Isaac and he's the promise and he's the next character in the study. And, and this is a little segue uh, as we close out this particular Torah portion, Sarah, that Genesis is about the book of beginnings. Uh, in chapters 1 through 10, and just a little reminder here, this is about the race as a whole, chapters 1 through 10. So now we're already into the 20s. We're in the, you know, in, in what? Sarah's chapter uh, 23, and then the bride for Isaac is 24. Abraham's other family is 25. And then we're going to get into, of course, Isaac's twin boys coming up next week. But the book of Genesis is literally about the family of Abraham, Ryan. Uh, Here we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. These particular characters starting in chapter 12 all the way through in chapter 50. So now we're at you know, Abraham, now we're into Isaac, and then after that we're going to have Jacob, but this is, of course, a patriarchal history of Israel, uh, and it's estimated to be, of course, 300 years in length from Abraham to Joseph, which is very, very interesting, and a key phrase found in the book of Genesis is, these are the generations of, these are the generations of, so any, any last thoughts, Ryan, because I, I know we got, of course, the, uh, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Hayah Sarah, life of Sarah, in Genesis chapter 23, verse 1 through chapter 25, verse 18, from a consensus of the group. What do you, what do you have for us? What two lessons can be learned from Torah portion, Sarah? Uh, well, first and foremost, that, um, that we should celebrate the women in our lives, right? Wow, that's good. That's yeah. good. You should have come up last night and said that. I'm sorry. I, that I, was good. You know. Celebrate... Well, I just, I know that I, you know, I have a wife and a mother and a mother-in-law and I have three daughters and all of them are great examples of, of awesome godly women. And so I'm very blessed uh, to be surrounded with great examples of, of good women in my life. That is, that's a good point. You know, um, the great matriarchs, you know, uh, just like Pastor Tifa, you know, being a matriarch as well. Yeah. Uh, the visionary, you know, finding getting the vision of bait to healing, carrying it on. Yep. Uh, that's that's good. What about lesson number two? What do you have? So my second lesson was how important it is uh, for the next generation to pick up the mantle of leadership and mission and vision from the previous generation and carry it forward. Um, you know, the Jewish people are a great example of people who have just kept their identity throughout the millennia 
and you know maintained the bible and i mean we have the bible that we have today and in my hand right now i have a bible because of of what the jewish people did in their faithfulness to keeping the word of god but that's generation after generation after generation it only takes one generation to lose it and then it's gone and um we have what we have today because and you know what we're also having things restored to us today in this generation that i'm passing down to my children that my prayer is that they continue it on you know save you know yeshua's return in that time but you know that's that's a good point i, I would say the only point that i would like to make is when something dies something lives when something dies something is birthed you know and we can see this story being played out with of course isaac and rebecca going into Sarah's tent, carrying on the legacy. And of course, we know that the Jewish people suffered a horrific Holocaust. Uh, and of course, millions of, of Jews were, were slaughtered and killed, murdered, uh, genocide. And of course, what happened? Birth of a nation, <coughs> May 14th, 1948. Right. So just, just keep that in mind as, uh, as you think about your own life. Uh, God is doing some incredible things. And I want to do a little shout out here for Jonathan Kahn's book, The Oracle. I can't say enough good about it because it's so relevant and it's so pertinent for today, especially in the Hebrews of the Christian faith and how he ties everything in together. It's quite fascinating. It's not a doom and gloom book. It's a very uh, uplifting, inspirational book to show you how things are put together by God, how he used, uses different parties, whether Jewish or, or Gentiles, uh, different, different players in the storyline. But uh, an incredible book, The Oracle by Jonathan Kahn. Oh, and by the way, he was just in Israel with 300 people that visited Hayovel. How cool is that? So if you haven't checked out Hayovel, you listen to the podcast, check out Hayovel. They are movers and shakers. And if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they produced over 350 tons of grapes for the vintage. Amen. That's right. And helped the Jewish farmers. And so what an incredible and I, story. I, with the uh, several other men from Beit Tehillah, I'm going to Hayovel in late January for two weeks. And so I encourage any of you guys... Uh, go to highavel.com, check out the trips that they have available, but the one that I'm going on starts on January 29th and ends on February 11th, and uh, I'll be going there, so if anybody's listening, wants to go, uh, you have to be male, um, for those of you ladies, sorry. The pruning season for the males. Uh, but this is, uh, I hear the weather's pretty tough and the work is pretty tough to be done, so they, it's a, a men's only trip, and, and the best part about it is I hear that as we prune the vines, the Lord prunes us, and so that's the part I'm looking forward to the most, and I'm also taking my son Christian with me which I'm super excited about. Um, I just, I mean, if, if anybody wants to go to Israel, it's Christian, man. Let me tell you, that kid wants to go to Israel, so I'm very excited to be able to take him with me, me too. And uh, anyone else that wants to go, I encourage you guys, uh, figure it out, make it happen. Would love to see you there. So anything else from you? You good? I, I think, you know, we're, we're having an awesome time. Oh, also, uh, just something to think about. We had a guest speaker this last Shabbat, Congressman Ross Spano. Yeah, that was cool. And uh, one of the things that really stood out to me, and I want to share this with all of you listening to the podcast, is that you know we at Beit Tehillah want to build a strong community and raise the next generation, bar none. But I'll tell you, the thing that we're really excited about is the restoration and the regathering of the whole House of Israel. So Congressman Ross Spano is over there this summer with his wife. He's a freshman congressman, so they they they, they send them over there and they get a, they get a trip and everything. Uh, and so what's interesting is that he had the opportunity to have a Shabbat in Israel on a Friday night with an Orthodox Jewish family. 
And so it really touched his life and how the, the father blessed the children and everything. And he took that and brought it home because he has children and grandchildren. And he started to bless them and pray for them. So once again, we can see the, the reconciliation of, of Jews and Christians with mutual respect happening before our very eyes. He actually says, and you can check it out on our YouTube channel. He actually said he felt like that, that family or that, that the, the Jewish man was his brother. The Jewish people are his brothers. And I thought, it really touched me. And I tell you, it really, it really, really inspired me. So check it out. Uh, Bay Tehila YouTube channel. Congressman Ross Spano. Uh, what an awesome man of God. What an incredible testimony. Very encouraging. So those of you that are listening, we really appreciate you listening. And like I said, we do appreciate your comments. Spread the word. Christians with Torah. This is exciting. All right, Ryan, let's close it out. All right. Bless you guys. We thank you for listening. Um, if you want to reach out, uh, Ryan at twopraise.net, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. And then uh, if you want to call the office, you need anything from uh, any of the the ladies or gents in the office, it's 813-654-2222. And then uh, live streaming our services every week. Uh, we're live streaming at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Sabbath day. Um, and you can do that on any of our social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and the like, and also at topraise.com. And at topraise.net, I'm sorry, topraise.net, you can also go there and click on the Give link at the top of the screen and give as well. So bless you guys. Have a great week.